0: Well, good evening. Like he said, my name is Elijah Whitaker. Um, I believe you have in the past, most of you probably have met my dad, Pastor Don Whitaker. Uh, he is my dad. He's also my pastor uh, in Mountain Valley Baptist Church. It has been a, a blessing the last couple of years to be the youth pastor there, um, uh, striving to train in the ministry. Um, we are excited about whatever the Lord has in store for us. We believe um, uh, both my wife and I are surrendered to uh, full time service, and we are just uh, just ec- ecstatic serving the Lord. It's been a blessing. Uh, a little update quickly about how the church is going there. As you know, um, we uh, most of you know we just started the, the church was just started about four years ago, and uh, it, it has been an exciting year. I think we get to the end of each one of those years, each year the last four years, we've gotten to the end of the year and said, "Wow, look what God has done." And it's been another one of those years. We just finished up our uh, fall push with the bus routes. And uh, I know the one that Sarah and I work on in Blackfoot, Idaho. We run a bus every Sunday morning out to pick up young people in Blackfoot, Idaho. Uh, It was exciting to see it grow from just a couple at the beginning of the summer to uh, we had a high day of, I believe, 34 um, uh, on our harvest Sunday a few weeks ago. Um, able to find new contacts, bringing in kids from homes that are uh, just absolutely broken, um, without the Lord, and uh, share the gospel with them and teach them things uh, like the fact that Jesus loves them, even though they don't get a lot of love anywhere else, uh, even at home. That Jesus loves them, and Jesus died for them, and that they can be saved. So it has been a blessing to be able to uh, serve there, and, and it's a blessing to be able to be here tonight. Uh, that it that it works out. I was. Uh, telling someone that uh, it just works out that we have Thursday night midweek services. So I don't have to miss any ministries or what not to be here tonight. Uh, and it is a blessing to uh, meet some of you and see all of you for the first time. If you would please turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter number 6 tonight. Isaiah chapter number 6. I was speaking with Pastor Knutson. He said... Uh, that I have to squeeze my 12 points into about three hours time limit tonight. Uh, I'm joking, my my wife wouldn't let me do that. She is hungry for Chick-fil-A. We're going to try to catch some on the way home. But Isaiah chapter 6, we'll start in verse 1. If you would please uh, stand for the reading of God's Word. Start reading in verse 1. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With Twain he covered his face, and with Twain he covered his feet, and with Twain he did fly. And he cried, sorry, and one cried unto another and said, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory." And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who shall go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And He said, Go, and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord have removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land, but yet in it shall be a tenth. And it shall return and shall be eaten as a teal tree, as an oak, whose substance is in them. When Thou cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for the opportunity we have to be in Your house tonight. Lord, we thank You for each and every one of uh, the individuals that are here uh, in Your house. Lord, here to hear Your Word preached. Lord, I pray that You would hide me behind Your cross. Lord, Lord, that Your Word would be uh, spoken tonight and not my own thoughts and opinions. Lord, I pray that you, Your will would be done in everything we do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Sometimes in our lives we can be so familiar with something that we lose the focus on how important it is in our lives. We know that God is holy. We know that we are not. It's pretty simple, pretty basic, but we don't focus oftentimes on how that fact right there should affect us and how we are living our lives. I'm encouraged by the fact that Isaiah, sorry, I'm not encouraged by the fact that Isaiah had a focus problem, but I'm at least consoled by the fact that I'm not the only one with this struggle. I'm not the only one who loses focus sometimes on what should be very important, should be in the forefront of my mind and my heart. This great man of God, this this Gospel preacher in the Old Testament, this major prophet, the one who the Lord came and spoke to personally, he was one who delivered God's Word to the kings and to the people in his time when they needed it the most. This man that more... This man, that more than other prophets in the Old Testament, speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. This man, Isaiah, had a focus problem. Isaiah chapter 6, he's going to get his focus back in order. God's going to get his focus where it should be. And I want to encourage us because we too much as Christians live in a moment-by-moment Christianity. We we live uh, focused on what's right in front of us instead of focused on what's most important. I'm not saying everyone. I know, though, that at times, that is me. Sometimes we go through phases. We ebb and we flow. We go up and and we go down. We we can be serving God and, and, and have the right focus for a season, but soon it fades. You see a lot of these sports cars nowadays. They, they advertise how how they can go from from zero to to, to 90 miles an hour in you know uh, four point something seconds. But so many times, Christians who are hot and on fire for the Lord, Christians who, who, who have rev- seen revival in their lives, Christians who are excited about soul winning, Christians who are excited about getting involved in the church, Christians who are excited about uh, being faithful to their Bible reading, faithful in, in their walk with God, in their prayer lives, faithful uh, to church. So many times, they're going from 90 to 0 just as fast. Come out of. I've seen young people, and that's where I have most of my ministry experiences with young people. See them come out of teen camp. Oftentimes, man, they're excited. Say, say, brother Elijah, I'm going to be there every service. They're excited to say, I'm going to witness to all my friends when I go back to school. They come out of teen camp making all these great decisions and it's one of the biggest blessings and I think one of the best and most productive things the Lord has my wife and I involved in is running our teen camp. And they come out on fire for the Lord. But man, see how fast that fizzles so many times. A few days later, they can't even pass out a gospel track. We're shouting and praising the Lord on Sunday in the house of God. But then we get to work on Monday and the devil gets to you and the devil discourages you and the devil gets you down. And man, we're focused on all our problems. We're focused on how so-and-so at work, just, if they would just change this about them, if they would just be quiet for a while. Man, it goes away so fast. We're all about soul winning. We're all about, uh, about going out and telling people about Jesus. When the pastor preaches on it, maybe that next Saturday you show up for visitation and soul winning, but pretty soon you go back to being ashamed of the Gospel of Christ. Being ashamed to let people know that you're a child of God. We lose our focus. It goes stale. But is the Bible outdated? Is the devil too strong? Is our flesh too powerful to remain focused on how God wants us to live? Of course not. So, why do we start so well and fall so low? Why so good some days and so bad other days? Many Christians are living their life like a roller coaster, just up and down and up and down, but no consistent focus on what Christ wants us to do. Why do we love Jesus so much in the moment, the one moment, and listen to the devil so quickly later? It's a focus problem. And Isaiah had a focus problem. <clears throat> but a vision of the holiness of God got his focus back on track. I'd like to uh, look at that today from the life of Isaiah, chapter number 6. What does a right kind of vision look like? What does a right kind of focus look like? What does it mean to have the right kind of focus in our Christian lives? And oftentimes that term is is tossed around too much. Our Christian lives. Like we should have our Christian life over here in this box. And we should have our secular life over here in this box. And the two don't mix. Our whole lives are our Christian lives. Whether you're a carpenter or, or a plumber or an electrician or or, or an IT specialist. First of all, you're a Christian. And you do that on the side. Our, Christi- our, our Christian focus should influence every part of our lives instead of letting the world influence our, our walk with the Lord. I'd like to look at a few points. I was joking earlier about 12 points. Just a few points tonight. I promise to get you out quickly for Chick-fil-A. Uh, first of all, I'd like to look at there was a recognized supremacy. A recognized supremacy. How do I know my focus is right as a Christian? Well, number one, you've got to make sure you are focused on the right person. Make sure you are focused on the right person. In, in the year that the king, lowercase king, Uzziah died. Isaiah's ministry was, uh, was mostly during the reign of Uzziah, and he and Uzziah had a great relationship. If you know anything about the prophets of the Old Testament, they often did not have a great relationship with the kings that they, that they ministered uh, uh, alongside with. And what a joy it must have been for the prophet to realize that he could go to the king and the king would listen. King Uzziah would listen when Isaiah came to speak. Wouldn't it be a great thing if our political leaders would listen? If The preacher went down to the White House and said, hey, this is what the Bible says and our leaders actually listened. That would be Incredible. Isaiah enjoyed this great relationship with King Uzziah, but something happened. Something happened. King Uzziah died. Here in the beginning of chapter number 6, King Uzziah died. In, in the context of Scripture, it gives us this connotation that Isaiah was some, somewhat disillusioned. This was the man he cared about. This was a man he looked up to and all of a sudden he, he was gone. He was off the scene. He was no longer in Isaiah's life anymore. And it was time for Isaiah to get his mind off of the lowercase king and to get his mind on the uppercase king. Notice he said, I saw the Lord. Not Uzziah. Not Uzziah. I saw the Lord. I, I saw the Lord. Not friends. I saw the Lord. Not role models. I saw the Lord. Not a teacher. I I saw the Lord. Not politicians. Thanks God for good role models. Thank God for good examples. Thank God for great influences on our lives. But we we see Isaiah, he looked to the Lord. He got his focus on the right person. It says, where where did Isaiah see the Lord? If you look in a passage there, it says he saw Him. High and lifted up. Where did Isaiah see the Lord? On the throne. Isaiah said, in order to see the king, I had to look up. Can I ask you a question? When's the last time you looked up? Not not just physically looking at the ceiling. When's the last time you looked up? We're so busy looking around. We're we're so busy looking sometimes looking down at people. We're so busy looking down the pew and thinking, "Oh well, so and so has this problem," and, and and we're we're too busy looking back at our failures and and and, and being focused on, 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 on everything around us. When's the last time we've we've looked up and focused on the Lord? Notice that there are, here are some humbled. Angels. The Bible says above it stood the seraphims. Now, now if we're ranking angels, we know there's different types of angels. The seraphims rank pretty high. The seraphims are the ones there in the court of the Lord. The seraphims, though, the Bible says had six wings. And with two they flew. With two they covered their feet. And uh, <coughs> with, with two they covered Their face, please listen, the the seraphim spent their time in the presence of God and seeing God was not a new thing for them. They were in God's presence every day. There's something so great and so grand and so majestic that the seraphims had to cover their face. You remember the story about how when Moses was uh, spending time uh, before the Lord on the top of Mount Sinai and he came down and, uh, uh, with, with the people and the people said, uh, cover your face, put a veil over your face. We can't look at it because it's glowing just from being with God. I think what has happened in, Christian, in our Christian life so many times is that we've gotten used to hearing about God. We've gotten used to the stories. Oh yes, I I know Jesus died for us. I know God created the world. God gave me life. I know God does this and God does that. I know about all the miracles in the Bible. I've heard those stories a dozen times. Maybe some of us tell those stories in a Sunday school. Maybe we share that gospel. It's it's grown so familiar that it's lost its, its meaning to us. We've lost focus of how awesome our God is. We get in the presence of God and we don't blush anymore. When was the last time you knelt and prayed and your heart got pricked and you thought, how am I praying to holy God if I've got this sin or that sin or that bad thought or attitude? You get around His Word and we're not phased anymore. When was the last time we covered our face? Can I ask you a question? If the angels... We're so humbled to be in the presence of God. What's wrong with us? What's wrong with us? If they couldn't look at Him without putting their head down, if they couldn't look at Him without covering their face, I ask God to help us have some humility. I think that is something that is lacking greatly among other things in Christianity across America today. Humility. We saw there was a high attention. He was high and lifted up. There were humbled angels. There was also a holy assertion. Notice the Bible says, and one cried unto another. What were the angels saying? There's a lot of things the angels could have said. You get back to, to the book of Revelation and they're going to say a lot of things in heaven about God's salvation and glory and honor and power and blessing and they're going to worship the Lord. They're going to say a lot of things. But what do they say here in Isaiah chapter 6? They don't, they don't say any of those words. They say right here, the Bible says they said holy, holy, holy. They didn't go along some long story about God. They said holy, holy, holy. No word but holy. We serve a holy God. I think sometimes we forget who God is. Thank God that He is our defender. Thank God that He is our, our burden bearer. Thank God that, 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 that He guides our hearts. Thank God that, 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 that He answers our prayer. Thank God that He is a healing God. But if we're not careful, like God to, to uh, someone who we only go to when we need to pay the bills or or, or, or or that person we go and talk to when we've got a problem, that that person we meet up with on the weekends. And we forget that He is, yes, He's a God of love and a God of mercy. He's a God of grace. I'm glad He's a God of truth. But don't let the sin-sick world let you forget that God is still holy. Even though holiness is something that is long since lost in this world, we live in a, a filthy, terrible world that is around us, following the ways of the devil. Most un- un- unholy uh, time, I believe, uh, in recent years. That doesn't change anything about God. God was holy in Isaiah chapter 6, and God is holy today. We've sometimes forgotten how holy God is. We're spo- so busy treating God like 911. We're, we're, we're so busy telling Him to fix this and change this and, and to move this and to heal that. And we've forgotten that every once in a while, instead of telling Him what we want, we ought to recognize who He is. Holy, holy, holy. God's still holy. I, I don't care how many sins get popular in this world, God is still holy. Holy. I don't care how many churches change and, 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 and who once stood on the truth. God is still holy. I don't care how many co- uh, conventions and organizations across America that used to stand for the gospel start accepting things. God is still holy. I don't care how many political, ch- political correctness changes there are. The principles of God don't change. He is still holy. I don't care what the politicians say. Maybe That's good advice. Don't care what they say. God is still holy. I don't care what celebrities start doing and what becomes popular in pop culture. God is still holy. My God is still holy. Are we? Are we? We have a focus problem. The Bible said the, the whole earth is full of His glory. It says here, this is an interesting part. The posts of the door moved at the voice of him who cried, and the house was filled. Listen. said so the post of the door moved at his voice. These pillars weren't some you know two by four structure. They weren't flimsy pillars. I pray that we can get a vision of God's holiness so that when Jesus speaks in our hearts, He'd move our minds, He'd move our hearts, He'd move our will. When He spoke, the pillars moved. So many times our hearts are so hard that God's been speaking, and God's been speaking, and God's been speaking. And we're so set in our ways that we don't allow God to move us. I pray that if that's the case with anybody here tonight, Lord, I pray that the Lord would soften our hearts. We, we, we would get our vision off of everything we're focused on. Look to the holiness of God and recognize we better listen. We better listen and allow God to move us. First of all, we saw recognized supremacy. Number two, there was a realized status. Recognized supremacy. I see him. Realized status, because of how I now see Him, I now see me. You may say, I, I, I'm doing pretty good. I'm not that bad. It may not be the best person, but you know when I look around, I'm doing a whole lot better than most. Many times when Christians get down on themselves, they start looking down the pew and saying, well, I'm not perfect, but better than so and so. At least I don't, don't do such and such. They look at, uh, down at brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so, and they start feeling pretty good about themselves. They start looking at the world and looking, looking at how bad the world is and all the things the world is accepting and all the things that are becoming normal in our culture today. And, and, and in so many ways, they say, okay, looking at that those problems, man, it makes me feel good about me. God doesn't want you looking at that. God wants you to be looking at Him. And because we look to Him and we see how holy God is, we start seeing ourselves a little bit differently. We're not supposed to compare ourselves amongst each other. We're not supposed to compare ourselves to the world. We're supposed to be like Christ. We can't be focused on how bad the world is. We must look at how good God is. When we see how good God is, I start seeing how bad I am. And anybody looking at Jesus in His holiness doesn't think very good about himself. Anybody looking at Jesus doesn't pat himself on the back or think, I am something. No, I'm telling you the problem is that we think too much of ourselves. We're increasing while God is decreasing in our lives. When it's supposed to be not Him that increases in we that decrease. We're so full of ourselves, we're so inebriated by arrogance and conceit. We think because we come to church in our nice clothes and our nice outfit that that we have arrived. We think because when the offering plate gets passed, we put our little tithe and our offering in the plate that, that we are set as Christians. I'll tell you we were headed for a devil's hell. There's nothing good in ourselves. In ourselves is sin and deceit in ourselves is a sinner who deserves to go to hell. Undeserving of His matchless grace, I'm here today because of Jesus. I'm not here today because of Elijah Whitaker. I'm not here today because of any preacher. I'm here today because of Jesus. The more I look at Him, the less I think of me. When it comes to a realized status, listen to Isaiah. Woe is me. Woe is me. How do I know if I've got the right focus on my life? When you're coming before God and saying, Woe is me. Woe is me. See here, unworthy contrition. He is saying that he is not worthy of even seeing the holiness of God. God is so holy that we are not worthy to even see His holiness. We don't deserve to be able to come into God's presence. We don't deserve for Him to listen to us when we pray. We're supposed to be in hell. Anybody we look down on, that's supposed to be us. We we can drive down the road and we see we see the washed up drug addict on the corner, uh, a street corner sometimes begging for money, and, and 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 oftentimes it's not really the best idea to give them money because they probably go spend it on drugs and alcohol and and, and, and things like that. But but so too often Christians will 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 harbor sin in their lives, but then when they drive by, they say, well, oh, at least I'm not them. We should be them. We could be them. Without Jesus, we would be exactly where they are. It could still be us without the right vision. Where is the woe with me? Where is the I'm not doing enough? Where is the I'm not giving enough? Where is the the, the, I'm not telling enough people about Jesus? Where is the I'm not thankful enough? Coming up to Thanksgiving this next month. It's one of my I I think my favorite holiday. But we should be thankful every day. We don't deserve anything. Where is the I'm not separated from the world enough? Say, ooh, that one's hard. Because see that part of my life that I know I need to separate in, I like it too much. It's too fun. It's too entertaining. I know the world's entertainment is wrong. I, I know there's cuss words in that movie. I know this show has, has problems and it's something I'm not supposed to be watching. I know what I'm seeing as I scroll through social media doesn't please the Lord, but it's too fun. I can't give it up. We're so focused on us. should be focused on the Lord. And when we do, we realize, woe is me. Whatever God wants in our lives, whatever God wants out of our lives, woe is me. There's an unworthy contrition. Notice there's also an undone condition. He says, I am undone. I am undone. I'll tell you what the problem is. When you don't look at God, we think we've arrived. When you don't look at God, we think we're actually doing something as Christians we think, well, hey, hey, we're actually accomplishing something. I'm here at church tonight, and praise God, you are. But we we have an undone condition. Ought to be <clears throat> what God can make us. He says, "I'm, I'm undone. I'm a major prophet, but I'm undone." I have people that look up to me, but I'm undone. I've got a major book in the Bible uh, that is going to be read for years to come, but I'm undone. He preached better than most people, but He said, I'm undone. We need some Christians that recognize that we are undone. His, His unworthy contrition, His undone condition, and I'm trying to move along, His unclean confession. He said, I'm unclean and dwell in the midst of people, of unclean lips. Sometimes we go with the second part, but not the first. We say, "Oh, we live in a in a in a, in a country where we got people all around us, of un, with unclean lips." And and it's true. It's true. Uh, I, I work uh, sometimes with people that are unsaved, and man seems like they can't go through a sentence without saying something wrong. We're quick to identify that we are around a lot of unclean people. We look around and, there, and there's filth everywhere. But Isaiah said, I'm unclean too. It's not just the people that I am around, the children of Israel at the time, I mean, we read through the end of the passage, the children of Israel had had ignored message after message to repent. And God was handing out judgment on the children of Israel. Yes, they were people of unclean lips. But Isaiah said, I am unclean too. I am unclean. This is not a new discovery that we're unclean. But sometimes it, 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 it is new that we actually confess it. I love the word confession. The word confession means to see our sin as God sees it. We see God the right way. We see God in His holiness. And we look at ourselves and we see how a holy God, how our holy God sees our uncleanness. And we say, I am undone. What would make Isaiah talk like this? Looking at Jesus. Looking at Jesus, see the more I look at Him, the more I look at me. I'm unclean, I'm unworthy, I'm undone. There was a man in the East that was righteous and hated sin and feared God. There's nobody that lived more closely to God, I think, as you can read through the Bible, than Job. Job. I mean, Job went through trials and said, The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We go through, through trials and we say, Woe is me. Not because we've seen the holiness of God, but because we feel sorry for ourselves. you got to be godly. Talk like that. After you lose all ten of your kids, all your assets. His wife told him to curse God. His friends told him he was in sin. You get to the end of the book and, and, and it said, I saw God, mine eyes have seen the Almighty, through these trials I've gotten a better vision of God. Some of us can be, can, can complain about our trials. We say, I, I've got this physical difficulty, or I've got this financial difficulty, or my family has this problem going on, or, 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 or I can't handle this trial or that trial. Hey, God wants to teach us something. The first thing we should do when we, when we find ourselves in a trial or a hard time, or a difficulty... Look to God. Job says, I have seen the Almighty. Look to God. He's the one that has the answers. Man, we're going to face problems in our life uh, that we cannot get through without God. Sometimes I wonder, how does the world go through life without a God to get them through? It's no wonder that my generation is the most suicidal generation in America. It's no wonder that over 100,000 people uh, just last year died from fentanyl overdoses in the United States of America. They're looking to answers to their problems. They're looking to answers to their difficulties. And they're looking to drugs. They're looking to depression. They're looking to uh, ending it all. That's not the answer. So many times Christians don't get the answer either. Job said, I saw the Almighty. Look to God. Look to God. He is the answer. Through trials, says, I've got a better vision of God. You say, I just don't like the way I have to go through all these things. Maybe, maybe to get you looking at the Lord instead of looking at the wrong people. Maybe losing your focus on the Lord is why you're in the problem in the first place. Job said, when I lost my children, when I lost my barns, when I lost my animals, my wife turned on me, my friends turned on me. I began to get my eyes where they belong. I began to look to Christ. When I saw the Almighty, He said, I abhor myself. He said, when I saw God, I started to hate me. I started to hate my flesh. I started to hate the way that I disappoint God. I started to hate my sin. Too many, too many Christians are okay with their sin. They've gotten used to their sin. We've gotten comfortable in our habitual sin. We saw the unworthy contrition, the undone condition, the unclean confession. But I love this part. There's the undeserving cleansing. I love verses in the Bible. It reminds me of uh, there in the Romans Road where it says, for the wages of sin is death. God could have ended the verse right there. We don't deserve the goodness of God. But he continues, he says, but the gift of God is eternal life. God is, God is good to us even though we don't deserve it. And he says here, he "Says I, I don't know you. He says, I, I feel like I can never preach again, Isaiah here. He says, surely uh, he won't want me to be writing any scripture. He says, woe is me. He says, I have no place in the work of God. Uh, th- th- there's, there's nothing godly that I should be doing. And when we, we really get a hold of the holiness of God, we start realizing how unworthy we are even to be part of the work of God. But, but, but God here, He sends an angel. He sends an angel to gra- gra- grab a uh, hot coal from the altar and a touch Isaiah's lips. He says, I know you're unclean. I know that you're unholy but I still want to use you. Aren't you glad that when Jesus begins to to, to arouse a disdain for yourselves, aren't you glad He doesn't just leave you there? The Bible said that, as I mentioned, one of those seraphims took the tongs and grabbed a hot coal from the fire off the altar and and he put it on his lips. This represents the cleansing of the Lord. Isaiah could not be holy of himself, but we can get a hold of some of God's holiness. It says yes, you're unclean. Yes, you're unworthy. Yes, you're undone. But my blood and my forgiveness will cleanse you. There's was recognized supremacy. A realized status. And I closed with number three. There was a ready surrender. Ready surrender. It says you're cleansed. I'm glad God's in the cleansing business. As I, I, I'm in need of that so often. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He advocates with the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. He says, hey, first of all, we need to get our eyes off of everything we're focused on around here. We need to look, look to God look to God we see how holy he is and and, and because we see how holy God is we start realizing how unworthy we are God forgives us he cleanses us of our sin and he says I think it's amazing verse number eight as soon as he comes out of this experience you, you know you know what Isaiah had to do said also I heard the voice of the Lord saying whom shall I send and who will go for us then said I here am I send me then said I here am I he, he didn't even hear what the Lord was going to have him do too many times Christians are uh, when, when when don't have that focus we don't start with that focus on God we say well I, I'm willing to surrender to certain th- do certain things for the Lord but I'm not just I, I'm not just going to do anything I've got my comfort zone and I'll serve God in my comfort zone. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. Here am I. Isaiah says, I'll go. I'll go. No matter what it is, I'll go. And if if we read through the, uh, the rest of the passage there, it wasn't an easy task. It wasn't an easy job. It was sometimes a heartbreaking task. Taking a look at the holiness of God leads to a willingness to serve. You say, well, I just don't feel like serving anymore. I used to be involved in this ministry or that ministry. I just don't feel like serving anymore. Well, when was the last time you really took a good look at the Lord? Not one of these numbers where, okay, I guess I'll pray, and then ding, your your phone goes off and you get another message or... Your, your, your Facebook scrolling through your devotions or you just really get a hold of God and He gets a hold of you and he, he, you see His holiness and, and you see your need for cleansing And uh, as the psalm says where you pray that psalm almost where it says search my heart search my heart see if there be any wicked way in me and and, and Take any wickedness, any sin, any problem out of my life. Cleanse me. You get there, you'll be willing to do whatever God wants you to do. Whatever God wants you to do. So, well, I, I have plans. I, I have, on Saturdays, I have you know, I work all week, and then I go. I, it's hunting season. What did it deer season started last Monday? Say, hey, it's hunting season. I got to go fill my tag. Say, see, see, I've got to make sure my yard is nice and pretty. I've got to mow my lawn. I've got to do the laundry. I've got, to, I've got to prep the meals for the week. I've got to go shopping. Hey, where's the here am I? Send me. It's the I would, but I've got this going on. No, here am I. Send me. And this is how you get to that point. Is get a vision. Take a look. Get a Focus. On the holiness of God, I think it's important for us. Like I said, it's something that's familiar. We know God's holy. We know this story. We often can. Uh, many of us could probably quote many of the verses from the passage we read. But just because it's familiar doesn't mean we need to. Don't need to take a minute, take a moment, and really search our hearts. Really realign ourselves. Re. Focus off this world, off ourselves, and focus on God. He didn't know what God wanted done, but He was willing to do anything. That's the kind of Christians that God needs today. We got focused on the problems of the world around us. Which, What's interesting is we can get down about that, but God wants us to be the solution. God wants us to take the solution, the gospel, to them. but we need to get our focus right first. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day.